Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 78. I have returned Martino Puccio here alongside the normal trio, Matt Santangelo, Pet Barisha. We had a crazy five minutes before we went live, gents. Uh, I mean, Pet really wasn't involved in a, in, in a crazy part of it, but Matt's computer shut down. We thought it wasn't going to be there. I was going to have to wait for a delivery to get here in the middle of recording. It got here just before that. It was like a 60 pound package. So I had to lug it up my stairs and I got here in time. So we're here, all computers working, everybody's healthy. Um, So how you guys doing? Isn't that like so COVID though, isn't it? Isn't that so lockdown that that is like so exhilarating and exciting for us? <laughs> Carrying a 60 pound package up the stairs was probably the most physical activity I've done in like two, three months. That, that is <laughs> pretty funny too. Like my laptop just wouldn't turn on and then all of a sudden it just turns on and I was like buzzing. I was like, yo, let's go. <laughs> Besides the computer actually buzzing because it's on life support. Um, yes. yes. I mean, oh, absolutely insane. Um, and again, the most intense time of the year for football, in my opinion. Mm. February stretch, Champions League football returns. A um, couple title races kind of wrapping up in my – honestly – Outside of Serie A, most of these leagues are pretty much wrapped up in my eyes, guys. Um, but we'll we'll start. I guess we'll go with Germany first, right? Because there's so much news coming out of there. Uh, Pet was, I don't know. I guess you were doing backflips over this stuff. So I'll let you take it away with Germany. I think, lads, we've been quite unlucky in the past where we record the day before something big happens, or we record mm-hmm. like I think mm-hmm. two weeks ago we recorded. 24 hours before the messy contract leak yeah and then we covered it in two episodes <laughs> um i mean the the league title race isn't totally wrapped up yet i mean 25 games played and there's uh what six points between first and fourth so i, I think psu will still win it obviously but i think i don't think it's a, as done a deal as say uh a few of the other ones i think um, you know, the I think Atletico, City, and Bayern, yeah. it's all a wrap, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, mm-hmm. th- th- those three, I think, are wrapping those things up. But, um, I mean, look, first and foremost, Upamecano, one of the most coveted centre backs in Europe, in the world, has announced that he's going to Bayern Munich. This is a great coup for Bayern. I mean, continues the trend of them buying the best talent in their league, continues the trend of them buying really efficiently. And well, whether they buy a squad player or a starter, they never seem to overpay and they always seem to find quality in those positions. Like we talked about, lauded them for getting Mark Rocker for what was it, like seven, eight, nine, ten million euros, et cetera, et cetera, those types of signings. But they seem to always also get the big ones right as well, uh, whether that be a Serge Gnabry, whether that be a Leroy Sane, who eventually I think will come really good, whether that be a uh, Hernandez, which I think will come really good as well, Alfonso Davies, Benjamin Pavard. Mm-hmm. And now Kano is going to be added to those ranks, replacing uh, presumably David Dalaba, who mm-hmm. we all know is probably going to Real Madrid, or it sounds like he's going to Real Madrid when his contract is up. And I just think, you know, they're buying a war if not the best, one of the best under 23 centre-back talents in the world who can be the fulcrum of their side for the next five, six, seven, eight years. And 
I mean, look, like if you're a Manchester United, an Arsenal, a Chelsea, a City, whoever was linked with him last summer where you could have got him, uh, it's a big blow to you and your hopes of securing a world-class or budding world-class centre-back. So a a great move for Bayern Munich. Um, Maybe not a great move for the competitiveness of the league, but you can't fault the, uh, you know, there's a a clause there. They've paid the clause. He's gone. Leipzig pr- protect their asset by extending him in the summer and adding that clause. It was a win-win-win, I suppose. They get an extra year out of him and they can now push through uh, Ibrahim, Ibrahima Kanate to take his place, who, by the way, Matt will remember, was one of my shouts two years ago for players to watch. I was watch. just about to mention But it's going to be his year next year. <laughs> um, well, I think with the, the, you mentioned you know, uh, Konate taking the being kind of the in the internal replacement for Upamecano but I think with this move Upamecano going of course as you mentioned to Bayern Munich that's uh, Mohamed Samak and yep. Strasbourg to uh, Leipzig effectively being that direct replacement um, on the market right if I think for something like mm-hmm. 17 to 20 million euros which is a pretty it, it kind of aligns with this Le- Le- Leipzig's policy right they sell for 40 45 which is what uh, Upamecano's fee is in between it's like 42 and a half or something like that so it, it this is kind of comes to the surprise of nobody but if it were speaking up what Bayern Munich are getting obviously one of the best young central defensive talents of world football a French international he's gonna ha- quickly become just a mainstay for them and you put him alongside Lucas Hernandez and some of the other players are just able to get and the beauty about what, what Bayern Munich does on the market is they're never always in that vulnerable position where mm. they're having to just completely back up the truck to get like two or three key additions like yes they're losing David Alaba but the fact that you can get like a cornerstone central defensive pillar potentially in Upa Meccano for 42 million which in this market oh it's you're not getting someone yeah it's very cheap so this is just another sound piece of business for Bayern Munich and they're obviously a favorite to win the Bundesliga which I think it's pretty much wrapped up and then you're kind of going into the conversation of now after they just won six six trophies of being potentially the favorites to go back to back in the Champions League so Mm. uh, Bayern Munich are just they're just well stocked and this is just another great move for them I think I want to say one more thing right on this and before we move on to another bit of big Bundesliga news, but you're not only upgrading defensively because I think we can all agree that Meccano is a better centre-back than David Alaba, even though Alaba is a, a, a good centre-back in his own right. He's a much better left-back and he can also play holding midfield in a right. kind of accomplished way. Meccano is also an incredibly good passer. Like progressively, you are not losing Alaba's technical ability. You are upgrading defensively He's bigger, stronger, faster, and he's younger. It's just like, I mean, what can, what more can you say, Martino? Um, I, I, I just can't stop, but th- and I don't really mean to rag on like Harry Maguire, but <laughs> Bayern have come away with Upamecano and Leroy Sané for a little bit over the fee that Harry Maguire cost. Like this is like this is why they win six trophies. Such as the English in, in, premium, right? <clears throat> well, I mean, look, Bayern yeah, Munich nearly too, paid, yeah. they nearly paid £70 million pounds for Callum Hudson-Odoi, though, right? Oh, yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, I mean, I can't even... I mean, that's still to this day. I mean, Pato, day. Pato, Pato was about to go to PSG for £45 million, uh, Back in the like little foreshadow, A little foreshadowing there. Yeah. Um, £45 million back in the day to PSG. So that mm. was like almost in like 2011, 2012. They didn't end up going through with it. But I mean... Just a uh, just the sheer like prices for some players. Sometimes I mean it's just insane. To me, this is so disappointing. 
from a competitive standpoint. Mm. And it's not shocking, right? I mean, kudos to Bayern. I'm not mad at Bayern. I'm do, not yeah. mad at what they do. But this is kind of more of the way Leipzig operate and the Red Bull organizations and clubs. And, you know, Simakin as well, who they brought in, you know, they, they're doing their little, you know, turnstile that <laughs> they got the most out of their talents. Dominic Sabazlais of the world are coming in, Simakins. You see the Timo Werners leave. You see Pumacano leave. And, the, you know, they kind of just retool and they're going to probably make the Champions League again, right? So, I mean, this is just how it works. And, um, again, I mean, the rich get richer and Bayern are probably, you know, they have a really good chance of tying Milan's seven Champions Leagues. Like, and I th- yeah. I was just going to say, I think when you spend really well in the COVID summer, in mm. the summer that maybe COVID gets less worse, you're going to have a bit more financial freedom, aren't you? So Bayern have done well last summer financially. They're geniuses. They're it's geniuses. just really, they're, they're just, I think it's the culture of the club employing uh, former buying players that understand that Mia San Mia mentality, whatever they call it, mm-hmm. and continuing to execute over and over. And I mean, let's talk about this next bit of news because I think this is this is like fucking massive. I think this one, uh, Mark, <laughs> honestly, like I Marco Rose being announced as the next Dortmund manager. We talk, we called it, didn't we? We didn't call it, but I was like, you did, not me. Well, I said he was one of the names <laughs> in the hat, right? But like, when you think of who you would really, really, really want to get as Dortmund, as as a Dortmund uh, exec team. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, you've got Hassan Tuttle at Southampton, who has done a great job picking them up from relegation, getting them playing in a nice style. I know they're struggling right now um, because of injuries and stuff. Okay, you've got, of course, Marco Rose. You've even got Jesse Marsh, who has who has talked about it. Um, and uh, I don't know. Like, I just think, like, of all the coaches that you could have wanted to try and get, he is probably up there in the top three, maybe, as Dortmund's uh, first pick. That would have been realistic to, for them to sign, considering the way they operate. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, but like, like they're not going to be else? in the mix for an Allegri of the world. They're not gonna, yeah, but they're not like, like, I mean, I think that's off the table just because. No, no, that's what right, I'm saying. Like, you know I mean, like, I think that's, a, that's where their options are limited because they're not going to be in the mix for a guy like that. They have yeah. to, you know, go get him. Rose, yeah, and, and what I mean, it's just like probably the best or two or three coaches that they could have got. They've they've got him, and I think it's a great, exciting move. I think for me, it's it's a really ambitious move for Dortmund. Uh, we've talked about whether or not Erling Haaland could leave if they don't make Champions League. If they do make Champions League, I think he'll stay. I think Jadon Sancho will go. But if they, mm. but if they both leave, uh, I really do think there's a possibility that Marco Rose is the perfect rebuild manager as well. And I think there's been quite a few rumors about a number of Dortmund players being placed on the sell. Does he bring Turam with him? That's the thing. Does he bring Turam with him? Does he bring a, lose, right? a Florian Newhouse with him? Uh, does he bring a Nico Elvedi with him at centre half? Like there are so many players in that Gladbach team that would walk into that Dortmund team right now who are, let's be honest, like really underperforming, defensively shocking. I mean, I what did you guys watch even the highlights? I, there, yeah, I've, I've I've seen a lot of Dortmund, honestly. I mean, any team, it, they're really. I mean, even here, I think I was discussing it with Harry Brooks one day on Twitter, like on how yeah pathetic it is. It like it's just not the, even. The defending was pathetic. Just, what I watched really in their bad. last game really uh, was absolutely <laughs> terrible. Uh, I think it was against Hoffenheim. 
I think I'm right there. They were shocking. Like some of the worst keeping it's I've seen, right. some of the worst it, defending it, I've right. seen. It was just awful. Like they just even in a, the cup match. Did you see them in the cup match where Holland had to carry them into extra time in order to win it? Like they're they're like laboring, and I don't think there's been a side aside from Chelsea probably in all of Europe that's been more disappointing in my opinion. I like you know you could look at Barcelona, Real Madrid as well as some of the other names you'd like to point to, but. For me, for Dortmund, I had them, you know, their upside should have been competing with Bayern for the title, potentially. Yeah. Um, oh, with their talent. When you keep Sancho, 100%. And full Man. season of Holland, too. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I think Dortmund have been just, like, very up and down. Obviously, they're a team that has, the, like, the personnel. But you kind of got a sense that with this appointment of Marco, like, the Rose the appointment here, they're going for something more in line into that rebuild sort of step. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, when they they have the minds and the actual power as far as what they do on the scouting side to get that hypothetical investment from uh, Holland, Sancho, and whoever else is out the door to replenish and build a team that, you know, maybe in the next couple of years can really start to make that big push towards a, a, a title a title charge. So moving on to the Premier League, I mean, a guy that's really been catching my eye, uh, you guys know, I'm a massive Bakaya Saka fan huge i think he's the best teenager in the world football right now i think every time he's scored assisted or won a penalty for arsenal they've won the past 17 times which is pretty impressive i think he's going to be a bona fide stud now in the future england squad whatever you want a guy that's been really catching my eye outside of arsenal recently pedro neto and he's been sublime all season for wolves this guy just has it do you know what i mean like he is so fast like it's it's Almost Gareth Bale quick. Do you know what I mean? Like when Gareth Bale pushed the ball past someone, that explosiveness. Yeah, the explosiveness is just unreal. And like the technical ability is sublime as well. This guy, I think, is going to go for 50, 60 million in the summer. I'm I'm putting my hat on it now. Do you do do you think he's let me let me ask you this. Do you think he's uh, somewhat of like a Jolta type? Like you think he's like that? same sort of caliber player do you think he's a little bit lower a little bit less, i think his ceiling's ceiling. higher i think his ceiling's higher i think mm. yotta is a great uh player in his in his own right Diego yotta um was it hotter it's hotter isn't it um and yeah. I, I think he is probably more of a central player Yota. um he maybe is a bit more two-footed uh, he's probably not as technically gifted, not as fast, uh, probably doesn't have as good a strike on him. Um, Neto's left foot is wonderful. Drilling, dribbling ability, I think Neto's better. I just think his ceiling is higher, Neto's. I think he, like, I think Yota is gonna, like, his, if Yota has one season where he's as good as Mane or Salah, I think he's he's done really well. I think Pedro Neto can get to those levels in terms of how good he is. Uh, I mean, look, uh, again, Pedro Neto, I could talk about him all day, but the guy that you wanted to discuss, Matt, uh, Ikai Gundogan, I mean, having his best scoring season ever, a guy that was almost forgotten after a lot of injuries at Dortmund. He hasn't been amazing for Man City until very recently, but this season, I mean, he's probably edged ahead of Bruno Fernandes, Harry Kane, and Hyung Min Son, and, you know, even Kevin De Bruyne in being player of the season so far in the Premier League. When you look at it and you look at his impact on this sort of this reversal, right? I think obviously City didn't, didn't have the best start to the season. They were uh, a team that, you know, yes, obviously 
player to player. Look, they stacked up with anybody in the Premier League. But then this sort of just big rise up the table, I think, with, you know, the injuries to Debrana and just the general just turn of the season. Gundogan's turning on at the exact time. And we made mention of City's um, revival or, or just this surge in our last episode and what they could potentially mean for them in the Champions League. And it seems like this is exactly what they want, right? You want the guys in the midfield who, if you have some injuries here and there, you have a guy like Gundogan who was, you know, getting back to what we pretty much saw from him when he was at Borussia Dortmund, right? And why he was able to earn such a big move. Uh, the, a goal production, assist production, just that impact in the final third, venturing forward, doing a lot of things to really just help City become that much more dynamic and add an element to that, that team. And it's just really impressive to see what he's doing on a week to week basis. And we all give the credit to Bruno Fernandez, De Bruyne, as we've been mentioning, and some of the others in the premier league, but Gundogan is, is like falling right back to like, okay, he's making that next little, there's that sort of career arc, right. Where you kind of come down a little bit and then make that, that, that last big surge up in your, in your form. And this is exactly what we're seeing with him at um, city this year. So really joy to watch. Um, from the last couple of games I have been uh, with, with City, really do making strides to push on and really secure this title. That Liverpool performance, by the way, sorry, I just want to interject. <laughs> that, you know, just the mental aspect of it, I'm always so fascinated by how these guys kind of rebound in the middle of the match, you know, just dropping what happens because it, it was a massive victory for City over Liverpool, right? The historical significance of it. Missing a penalty like that, and Liverpool was still in the match at that point, coming back and then eventually scoring again and, you know, putting it behind you is such a massive mental hurdle for him. And Pet highlighting, you know, his injury issues. He hasn't been dominant with City. He's been a productive player at times, but he isn't, you know, a world beater there. And just to kind of see him get over that hump. And because, you know, when we see Gundogan, you know, come up and perform like this, you know, we see it every, after every couple of matches, we're not Gundogan every single day of his life where he has to, you know, get healthier, find his way into the first team for Manchester city, one of the best teams in the world and get in, beat a Liverpool, overcome that penalty. Day. Like all the credit to him, you know, how difficult that is to really pull off. And he's not a, he's not a youngster too. Like he has all this future ahead of him. This is one of the final years or so, you know, the down stretch of his career where he's going to have this much significance playing in a match like this and having that sort of impact because moments like that live with him forever and, and even Manchester city fans. So just to see something like that, I like, I think it's special and I'm very happy for a player like him because he's not, he's not the type of player that, you know, is always in the media, you know, doing outlandish stuff, like being a nuisance in the locker room, you know, this guy's a professional and, you know, he's well-respected and it's nice to see guys accomplish feats like that. And again, did anyone expect Gundogan to have this sort of impact this year for Manchester city or across the Premier league? Because like Matt was saying, like the Bruno Fernandez is the De Bruyne's most solid Sadio Mane. Like, is Gundogan having a better season than Sadio Mane? That, like that's oh, a, absolutely a real. Think, no, but oh, that's a that's like a easily. thing. Did you? Yeah, right. No, but uh, of course I know that. But yeah. that's the thing. You just say yeah. it out loud, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like that's yeah. he deserves his respect. He deserves all the glory, <laughs> and I'm sure his football index stock is skyrocket. Right. I mean, <laughs> he's done, he's so, done okay. 
I mean, I'm, I'm just happy for a guy like that because it's, because these are also human beings at the end of the day. And another thing that's been highlighted, not only in the Premier League, but we see it all the time in the, in the garbage that's going on in social media. It's very stressful for these people, uh, let alone from the COVID situation. So just to see him do this, I just think he deserves all the praise. And I'm just, I'm very happy for a guy like that, I guess I could say. Hmm. Because I'm not very happy after this weekend because we have to transition <laughs> to Serie A. Um, let's call it what it is, right? Um, we came out with the, I came out with the piece in the athletic as to, as to why, right? Whatever. Plug it. I don't give a shit. Um, this is, this, this is Inter's title for a reason, guys. There's a multitude of them not playing in Europe once a week. They have the depth. They have Antonio Conte. Um, they have the separation from Juve. They got it again this weekend. Milan give him a gift, playing absolutely abysmal against um, Spezia. Juve got outplayed against Napoli. They lost there. Uh, they had a big match against Lazio, and they completely deserve this win. I don't care about whatever controversies some people might have had with the first two goals. That second half alone, Pat, uh, I know you were flipping back and forth, but that second half alone for Inter right there is a title, you know, worthy performance. That was just so utterly dominant from top to bottom, whether it was Immobile being rendered completely useless inside the 18 box area, 18 yard box area, whether or not Lautaro's pressing was absolutely unbelievable, whether it was Marco Marco, Pro, Marco Perola running down the sideline with Romulo. <laughs> I can't even I can't even believe that was a thing, Matt. I mean, you <laughs> that could was so that, funny was, that was so funny. Because because it's like, how do you not foul him? How are you not even trying to <sighs> attempt to even get a slide tackle on the ball or give a professional foul that Just even gets you a man. yellow? Exactly, do something. That that goal, like once Brozovic pushed that upfield to Lukaku, they were were running. And I went, Parolo, well, well, let me me go back here. First off, Simon Inzaghi is subbing in um, Marco Parolo, a 35, I think 36 maybe, (laughs) 36-year-old aging midfielder um, for a a, a central defender because he was on a yellow card at halftime, was a little bit – uh, That's fucking crazy, man. Yeah, I, I really just didn't quite just understand. Trust He's done this a couple times this trust season. Trust your center back. He subbed out Immobile yeah. against Milan as well, yeah, by the it, way. It, that was just a really strange one. And then I think you, it, it, what I saw from, from Inter in the second half, Martino, as you, as you, as you mentioned, uh, the, how impressive it was, was the fact that you know, even when Lazio looked pretty decent in the first half, I thought they had good possession. They retained possession in the final third well. They were really uh, winning the ball high up the, high up the pitch. And I thought they were going to maybe get something from this. And even when they had the two zero down and they got that 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 goal from the, the from the free kick, I was thinking, okay, maybe this is where Inter have that they show that slip up again that they 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 have shown in uh, previous previous matches. But all credit to Inter, I think when they, you looked at their performance in this match, they were defensively strong. Obviously, we all have been allowing their their wing backs, Hakimi specifically, who's just been really good for them. But when you look at the actual performance from Lukaku, two goals and one assist, that one goal that he scored by he pretty much bullied Marco Parola, which you can't really expect him, in my opinion. I know uh, me, Pet, and Harry had a conversation about mm-hmm. this on Twitter late last night. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, this spells disaster for Parolo Because when Lukaku is, has a full, set, uh, full, a full head of steam, excuse me, 
you're not stopping him. There's defenders who struggle with, with containing him, let alone a 36-year-old midfielder who pace uh, step for step is not keeping up with Lukaku. And then you ha- you're tasking him to at least cont- contest the, the, the cross, right? So when Lukaku could do that, you're pretty much not you're pretty much in, in in deep trouble there but let me just speak on Lukaku as a player because I think between all the the, the gifts about his missed touches and everything he did at Manchester United he's incredibly productive I know people are going to speak on his record in big games this was in my opinion a big game however I want to say this there are plenty of players plenty of top players who do feed off the provincial sides they they do pad their stats off the provincial sides what separates a player uh, of being really, really good quality and then being just simply like in that elite class is when you do it in those big games. Not saying Lukaku now should be considered an, a big prime time player, but he's a very, very, very top striker that is at the very heart of Inter being what many consider to be the favorite for the title. So yeah, this was a big performance, and I and I knew this was coming once Milan slipped up against Spezia. I saw two zero down, two zero defeat to Spezia, sixteenth place in the table, and I'm thinking, there's no way Inter are losing their game. I know Lazio yeah. were in good form. I know they got Mobile, Correa, Milinkovic, Savic. They have guys in that squad, but I was like, there's no way Inter are losing this game. Three one, big victory, and to bring that heading into the derby, where days prior Milan have to play a match uh, in Serbia, Europa League match. This is where you kind of got a sense that if Inter are going to create some separation in the table and top, it's going to happen now. So it's going to be really fascinating to watch that derby to see what type of Milan comes out of this, right? Because to go about what Milan have been in the past couple weeks, they got the victory against Bologna. They had to struggle a little bit in the second half of that match. They got the victory nonetheless. The Crotone match, the first half was very sloppy, uninspiring. They didn't do much of anything. Second half, they pulled away and they got the victory. And then obviously they got humbled by 16th place Spezia 2-0 to get clean sheeted when you're one of the more potent attacking sides that creates most of the chances. That was a really telling sign of where Milan are right now as far as their form. And they need to really regroup quickly because I think it could turn ugly um, given the fact that Inter, unlike in the previous match earlier in the season, have their full defense, right? They're going to have Skriniar, Divraj, they're going to have Bostoni as well. Brozovic didn't pick up another yellow card. So they're going to have a full team in there that's coming off a big victory and, and taking over in first place. I think I had it in my notes, right? As soon as, as soon as Milan lost and as soon as Juventus lost, I just could not see Inter not winning that game. And the reason being, when you have, a, uh, when you have Conte as a manager and what he's very good at is setting up teams to win titles and being the front runners in the league and he really likes to uh, work his players to the bone in training we know all that but another thing he's really good at is leveraging emotion to make his players play for him and play really well kind of like Mourinho used to do a lot more than he does now and I just feel that as soon as those two teams lost the two main contenders Mm -hmm. you can imagine what Conte was like in the dressing room, revving them up, telling them this is your chance. And you can see it. When Lukaku plays that ball to Lautaro and they win, uh, and they go to, to get that 3-1 goal to basically clinch it, yeah. the kind of unity in the team, the yeah. way they celebrated, they knew how big a moment it was and they knew they just exerted everything they had to kind of get themselves a step closer to the title. Yeah, Inter were exhausted. I, I, I mean, they were pushing yeah. on and Lazio, all credit to them because they even still had some decent chances in the in the final stages of that match when they were down 3-1. 
but like Lukaku, like they, that game could have potentially been 5-1. I watched the end of that match. I know mm, a lot of people maybe yeah. turned it off at 3-1, but Lukaku was, I mean, still making the runs forward. He's, you know, Lothar Martinez playing off Lukaku, which they do time and time again. And that really just ultimately most of the time results in goals. But when you look at their total volume on a, from a production standpoint between the two, um, Lothar Martinez has what, 11, 12 goals. I think he has like four or five assists. And then you have Lukaku who has, you know, among, he's amongst the top scorers in Serie A and he can do what he does back to goal and everything like that. I think people can really magnify like a bad touch. Cause he actually had a bad touch yesterday and I saw someone post about it, but then what he went, what he go on to do, he scored another goal and then he got an assist. So like, that's what people are going to look at. And I think people, the people framing that narrative about his touch and he's a little bit more clumsy on the ball he keeps scoring like this and he charges into the title. I don't think anyone's going to really say much of anything about Lukaku at this point, because to be a 300 goal scorer at his age and doing it in the premier league, doing it at multiple clubs, doing it for Belgium. I think he's Belgium's top scorer all time. If I'm correct too, he's, he's a really, really good striker. Now, if he can do it obviously against Milan again, and maybe potentially down the road against Juve's Napoli's of the world, and it, it goes the long way in, into making them titles and being a team that can unseat Juve. What more is there really to say about him at that point, guys? I think that he's been proving that he can score goals. He's you know, a really productive, productive player. And there's no surprise and no coincidence that Conte and him embraced at the end of that match because he handpicked him. He won him. They splashed a ton of money on him, and he's delivering the goods right now. He's got no choice, too. This yes. is... Like, this is the opportune time for him and Conte to strike when the iron's hot, too, because you get eliminated by Juve in the Coppa Italia. Morale can potentially get very low, right, if they would have lost yesterday on another opportunity in which they could have jumped ahead on the table. For, for me, again, this is Lukaku's prime position to do this because not only is he entering his prime as a player, Cristiano Ronaldo's on the downturn. Ibra's 39 years old, for God's sakes. Like, if there's ever a time for this guy that, you know, everyone knows how talented he is, for him to rise to the occasion and finally be the main cog and the main reason for a team to win a title, it's got to be this year. Because if it's not, then that moniker, you know, it gets a lot tougher afterwards. Yeah. Because it just, there's there's always a saying in sports that your first, like, title trophy is always the toughest one. This is going to be the toughest one. And you don't know how much pressure it could be off of his shoulders if they end up winning it. Because it could, you know, go, Matt, you know this as well. Like, Inter, say they do end up losing this title, Conte's gone. You don't know if Lukaku's going to be on the way out. Like, there would be a lot of, you know, turnover with that club. There is a lot of pressure for them to win. And there is a lot of variables in their favor in order for them to win this. I mean, Sensi's coming back too. I don't even think we can overlook that part. Erickson yeah. looks like he's found new life. That goal that he scored against Milan um, in the derby towards the, towards the end. In now too. Like he's being used by Conte yep. a lot. And, and I think what's and, also yeah. important, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Martin, you, you finish. No, it. go ahead. No, go. go, go um, and I think what's important too, guys, to, to, to make note of is that um, Pet, you mentioned, you know, how his training regiments are. and Everyone kind of knows that by now from his, his time at Chelsea, the Italian national team, Juve, and just even before then. But the fact that Inter now can really dedicate everything they got to playing once a week versus traveling in between near the Copa Italia. I know it's not a ton of games left. I get that. But every game means something. Like the fact that you can win one game 
and then just completely rest everybody. And they have some depth in that squad where you can rotate guys in and out to keep um, freshness, yes, but also to avoid that card accumulation. Like, they're, they're ready to roll. And I know people were making fun of them and, and making jokes about them being uh, finishing fourth in their group and not even getting to the Europa League. But ask any Inter fan. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll take finishing fourth if it means we're the team to knock Juve off their perch. Like, you'll take that any day of the week. So I think everything bodes well for Inter the rest of the way. Now, will they slip up? We've seen them in the first half of the season. They've shown they can slip up. But now we'll have to wait and see, right? Because I think if they have a match against Milan, and hypothetically speaking, suppose they win. Well, now you have a pretty small, small-ish, yes, but still a pretty decent gap. And now it's just a matter of you just padding it from that point on and dedicating everything you got into that given match day, which I know Conte is a really good coach in that regard, of just getting the most out of his players, having them suffer, like he always mentions in his, his post-match comments. So... A big derby ahead. I'm curious, like I said, um, to see what Milan's reaction at this. It can either go two ways. It can either be a really tight, like feisty, aggressive game, or it can be something where Inter, Inter just simply smells blood and they want revenge from that first match where they, they got beat. I, th- I, You know, and you could also play the angle that, you know, since they did just play in that Coppa Italia and the way Milan lost, even though they were up and they ended up losing probably because they were down to 10 men, I think they knew that they played that well in that match and how embarrassing the Spezia match was that they're going to come out ready for this one. It's, it's just going to be fascinating because also, guys, when was the last time that the biggest game in all of world football for, for the 2020-21 season is the Milan Derby? Like, absolutely no doubt this is the biggest <laughs> match in everything. I know we hyped up Man City, Liverpool, but there was clear separation. And Pet, you were even on board with that saying like City is going to win this league and they're pulling yeah. away and we have the receipts of your of your bets as well. <laughs> <laughs> I got my receipts. In. Yeah, he's got them. I'm not here to, to look back at things and say, I told you so. I put my money where my fucking mouth is, all right? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> but Listen, this is what, this is yeah. what like, I mean, I've got a good friend, you know, the, the guy that I uh, co-host my, my other podcast with. He always says the reason he's a pro gambler, right? And he says, okay. I love all these data accounts who say, you know, uh, this about XG and that about this. And then they kind of look back on, on situations and they're like, oh yeah, we told you so. And his, his response is always, yeah, but where's your money? Why didn't you put your money where your mouth is? Because they don't back themselves that much. They don't. They don't. A lot of people don't back themselves. But that's a whole different thing. And we can that's get a whole different gambling. story. <laughs> we can get into gambling at another time. But um, how about this? Champions League is back. Got no fucking clue outside of Bayern, who I think I could, I could <laughs> win this tournament. I'll be honest with you guys. Like, Juve don't convince me. Barca don't convince me. Neymar's hurt again. Um, but by the way, what the fuck? Like, there's got to be something. Like, just don't play him in February. Just put him in bubble wrap. Put him on the sideline. Don't let this guy play because he's missing these key matches. You know, it was one thing they got lucky this past year um, with COVID that they ended up going to the final where they play one leg. And there's no way he could have possibly have gotten hurt by not playing football at all um, because Ligon canceled the season. So that they get a pass there. But I mean, for me, again, even Bayern too, I don't even think they're as convincing as they were last year. 
And it's no, not to say not. that they could absolutely go out and steamroll Lazio because I think that will be the case. Actually, um, I, I I don't I don't know who's going to win this. I, I I guess I would just lean to them. Like, is there? I guess the better think, question would City be who's the it. second? I you think, think City? City? Yeah, I think City are going to win it. I think. You think so? I think I've got City, Bayern, Atleti as my top three but i do i've Mm. got a weird feeling about madrid and i'll tell you why because i saw so many madrid twitter accounts saying as soon as they got knocked out the copa del rey by like that 19th division side or whatever um it was like yeah we're definitely winning the champions league this year (laughs) and i don't think they're gonna win ramos is missing the match against atalanta though yeah i think they're gonna concede at least two goals over those two legs to atalanta at least, I think I think it could be a little bit more. I think, I think two or turning more. it up a little bit. But I, right I don't know how, but I just think Madrid will get through that one. Uh, but I do think I've got City. Uh, but in terms of Leipzig-Liverpool, that suddenly becomes a content, like competitive game, doesn't it, guys? Like, who would have thought when anyways, they got, yeah. but when they got drawn, it was like, well, they'll put up a good fight, especially after um, Liverpool had beaten, you know, Atalanta 5-0 away from home. I know they lost at home 2-0. But, but they, they were, were they weren't playing their strongest lineup, I believe, in that match, right? Yeah, but, you know, I, I don't know. Still, no still. Illich, I it's, it's still tough. Um, I would put Leipzig on the, the kind of same pedestal as Atalanta there about thereabouts as, uh, in terms of mm-hmm. quality of opposition That's fair. at that time I would have had Liverpool no doubt but now I think this is going to go down to the wire I think it's going to be a really 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 tough game for Liverpool a tough two legs who have you guys got Matt you what about Juve I want to ask you about Juve um, I, I just don't see it is, I understand it's, the it's, Cristiano angle but I, I, I don't I don't here, here's the thing is that I think we've seen in the past couple of weeks with Juve that they show him glimpses of maybe turning the corner right because I've always been making mention of the second half the second half the second half because despite what they did in the first half of the season well they find themselves yeah, about seven points off the top of the table they find themselves in the knockout stages of the Champions League and they find themselves potentially winning the Copa Italia so like, this is kind of where I expected Juve to be under Andrea Pirlo, first-year first coach Andrea Pirlo. But then you see the performance against Napoli, and it's like almost a step back against a team that Napoli has been okay this year, but they've been very up and down. They look good sometimes. Sometimes they look awful. So for them, to, for them to not kind of be showing that level of consistency um, in all departments, I know we, we always touch on Ronaldo and, and some of the players that they have in their squad, but – I don't know. I think this is even Porto. I think you're going to give them a little bit of a test. I, I do like the fact that Juve have that um, that 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 full defense back. They're going to have Demiral. They're going to have Delic. They're going to have Bonucci and, and Chiellini's even back, and he's been playing pretty well of late too. So I mean, that bodes well. I think they'll move on for sure. But if I'm speaking more to what their chances mm-hmm. are of winning the thing, because that's obviously what everyone wants to know: whether or not Juve can actually win one of these with Ronaldo on the books. I don't think it's their year. I, I, I agree with Pet. I think City's a favorite. I think Bayern Munich. And the fact that you always have Real Madrid with that pedigree in this competition, they can't be overlooked. All it takes is a couple of victories ahead of a big semifinal, big quarterfinal match. And then Real Madrid becomes Real Madrid. When the lights are the, the, the brightest, the stage is the biggest, they're always seen to show up and guys, play. Man. I disagree. No? So, yeah. I, right, I, I so, get your guy's angle. I just, so, so let me... Let's just go through the fixes quickly. So Leipzig, Liverpool. I've got Liverpool just. Who have you got, Matt? Same. I got them narrow, narrowly getting by. Martino. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think Liverpool as well. 
It's, okay. it's going to be it's going to be a real tough one. It's okay. going to go down to like the last. Barcelona PSG. I've got Barca with no Neymar. Matt. Same. I think Messi's hitting that his stride too, and I think even PSG haven't looked that good in, in the past couple of weeks. So I got Barcelona. And yourself, Martina. <sighs> I'll go PSG actually. Oh, damn. I don't, I don't, I don't trust this Barca. If Messi isn't going to show up and dominate, I don't think. Put your money where your no. mouth is, dude. I, I think, <laughs> put my money where my mouth is. Yeah, my my money went towards the Super Bowl, so I'm kind of screwed here for a little bit. So <laughs> I'll do, I'll do that in the quarterfinals, maybe. Hey, I made four pounds on the Super Bowl. Look at, look at that. How'd you like the apples? <laughs> yeah. Well, we had to get into. I never asked you what you bet on, but go, go to the next picture. I'll show you my receipts after. <laughs> um, uh, Seville Dortmund. I've got Sevilla. I, I just actually so no. I've got I... Dortmund. Sorry, what am I talking about? I've got Dortmund. I got Sevilla. I got. I got. I'm pro Papu. You do. You do pro Papu. You do know Rose is still, is still a Gladbach. Right? I know. I know. I just. Okay, I'm I just, just saying. I just think, like, surely. Your focus is back when you hear that music. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, surely, surely, sure, sure yeah. It's up. yeah. That's Sevilla, man. League, league domestic and and you know international. They're not mutually exclusive. We've seen it time and time again. All right, right. I've got Dortmund. I'm putting it out there. Yeah, Dortmund. I bank on Holland. I think he's that kind of guy. Porto, Juventus. I've got Juve. Juve. Yeah, Juve for now. Yeah, they'll get. I look at them. Look at this man taking a couple extra seconds to think <laughs> about it. Come on, because because I just want to see them lose, but I they're not going to lose this one. They're going to win. The defense is. I respect the defense. Delict has actually lived up to every single penny worth of his price tag. Atletico Madrid, Chelsea. I've got Atleti. Yep. Oh, I think this will be a beatdown. No way, Atletico. really? Atletico, I think Atletico is going to beat them down. I'm not, really? yeah. I don't oh, even think, okay. I, I don't even think Chelsea will score a goal over the two legs. No. I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean that. I swear to, I swear to God. That's the big. only way Chelsea will score a goal is if they get a penalty. Otherwise, they're not going to get an open play goal. They're not going to score from a free kick. They're not scoring from a corner. I, I'm serious. Right. Atleti's that good. Oh. Okay, I've got Atleti. I don't have it as strong as Martina, <laughs> yeah. but like, I've got him still. I got uh, Atleti too. I just think too, they're, too, they're too experienced. They have that strong defense. They're just battle-tested. I think Diego Simeone just is going to get by. No problem. Yeah, I do, I do think Jimenez is out for the first leg at least, so that might be a worry, but still, you know, it seems as though when Simeone creates that system, it's like whoever goes there is going to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good thing Timo Werner is on fire, right? <laughs> I think he's going to start scoring soon. I've got a feeling. He's just, got no just saying. Just saying. He's got no choice. <laughs> Define soon. He's talking like I'm talking like, like over the weeks. next six weeks. I know, I know what you mean. He's going to start <laughs> scoring. Yeah. Lazio Bayern. I've got Bayern easy. Bayern. Yeah, but I mean Bayern as well. Yeah. Atalanta, Real Madrid. I've got Madrid. I got just... Madrid. I got Madrid. I hate them so much. <laughs> I really do. But I actually have a feeling they. I think the Ramos absence is really that big of a deal. I, okay. I, I actually do think that. I have Atalanta advancing this one. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. And City, Gladbach. I've got City. They City. just look ridiculous. They look but like I think I think the, the Gladbach are gonna. This is gonna be their. This is gonna be one of their matches. I know people were looking at them in the group stages and what they accomplished. But I think this is going to be a match 
that's going to really show what Marco Rose is about as a coach. One, to those who are not familiar with him. Two, what this Borussia Mönchengladbach team is currently. I think they're going to maybe score a couple, a goal or two, and they're going to play some pretty good football. And it's obviously it's City. I, I have well, moving on is what I'm pretty much getting to. But I think Borussia <laughs> Mönchengladbach are going to play pretty well, or they're going to at least give those who are not familiar with them something something to take away. Yeah. I think City is just going to dominate them. I think they just look a level above. Mm-hmm. Um, this the last fifteen game weeks, but yeah, let's see. Um, what else have we got time for? Have we got time for anything else? Alexander Pato, yes, Alexander Pato has signed a one year deal with <laughs> Orlando City in Major League Soccer. Of course, following pretty much in the footsteps of his countryman Kaká, who was my favorite player of all time. And honestly, when I saw this, and I think I got a bit of a reaction from it too from a couple of my followers. I was like, yeah, he's joining Orlando City. And then I put like, he's still only 31, <laughs> which is crazy to me because he's been out completely out of the spotlight for really since he left Milan. I know he came to Chelsea uh, and he played Chelsea, like very yeah. briefly and he was at Villarreal for a little bit. Then he went to China and oh he went God, back to Chelsea Brazil. Stint. I forgot about that. But 31, guys. 31 at 17, 18, he was like a golden boy. And then in the Champions League at age 20, he was scoring two goals versus Real Madrid at the Bernabeu for Milan. Pretty like, sure he got to 100 goals faster than Messi did. I, I think so. That, that's, that's I believe the, that's actually that's a, the truth, crazy, a truth. That's the craziest. That's it's not actually fake news. True. That is absolutely, yeah. I think. It was either 100 or 50 goals, but it was some major goal feat that he beat Messi to on a it's similar crazy. timeline. He was just, it's, he I mean, he is in, what he is. I mean, it's just the most disappointing you career. Know we mentioned Pedro Neto earlier. Hmm. Kind of reminds me of Pato. Don't put really? that on Pedro like Neto. Like a little bit. In terms of the explosiveness <laughs> I know, I know, and I the know. way he moves, Pato it's quite was, similar. Oh my gosh, man. I, when he joined Milan, I think at the, he joined at the t- right after they won the Champions League in 2007. He, he, won, he was I think he with, joined 2008. No, I, I, right I believe it was 2007. Right? You can check it. I think it was he joined in 2007 <laughs> for like 24 million from, um, uh, what was it? Corinthians or is International Corinthians. in Brazil? Um, one of those yeah, two Yeah, 2007. Um, I mean, it was from International, yeah, to Milan. Yeah, and he, I mean, the, the explosiveness, the, the dribbling, this the quick, like, like zero to 60 type sort of player where, like, and he can get the ball quickly and then do one Set quick move and too. he's gone. Mm-hmm. Set pieces. I mean, he Weak was foot, with, Sorry, with him, with him, he's supposed, like, he was supposed to be, like, the guy, like, like a legend for this club. And then you have Milan Lab, the injuries. You have him mm-hmm. and his relationship with Barbara Berlusconi. And then, oh, man, it was really a truly a shame. But I think that was kind of, at that point in time, it went to, it went to show you that where Milan were potentially heading. They couldn't keep some of these big guys It was out. a precursor, yeah. Yeah, and then they got rid of They sold him in January to get Balotelli from City. So, like, it was, you go from one guy to another who, for different reasons, just completely just did not live up to the hype. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in MLS. He I was think struggling big time in Brazil recently. Yeah, I mean, what what do we what do we think? I like he. he I think the league nine and thirty five soccer. I, I think listen, if he's if he's fit, I think if he's fit, which is obviously <laughs> the biggest thing for him, but he's, yeah. I think he'll be, I think he'll be fit. I think he will. It's, it's he, just gonna matter. Be a matter of whether or not he's able to to turn it back on right it's never easy to do that when you haven't been playing that much and that consistently but 
MLS is so open defensively. I've watched plenty of this league to see that mm-hmm. defensively, it's just it's always available for strikers with speed, pace, uh, and creativity. And I think Pato can be that sort of player. I mean, he's 31. He's not 36, 37. So at the very least for one His year. His legs are. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope he does well. That's all I can ask for. I, I, I'm a huge Pato fan. I have his jersey. I have his long sleeve jersey from years ago. So oh, man, we'll wait the iconic and see, long but... sleeves where he he pulled the pull the pull the sleeves up to like his 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 thumbs. You know what I mean? yeah. He did yeah. like the heart celebration too, and then we'll wrap up. He did like the heart celebration after scoring one of his goals to I think Barbara, and then Barbara pointed to him, and I was like, oh no, we don't need this. Just play, oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's kind of <laughs> gross. Still has the fastest goal in Champions League history, or am I yeah. something seconds? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that'll wrap up this episode, right? Yes. Um, so, wait, but we, yeah, yeah, no, that is actually, I was going to say goal <laughs> prediction for him, but I'm better off saying match prediction on how many games he actually gets in. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, uh, Matt, go ahead and plug yourself first. Follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Follow at Milan Reports for me, Martino, to take care of some podcast work, some post match reaction from the Milan games and gentlemen plug the rest of the way uh, you can find me at pet p-e-t-b-e-r-i-s-h-a on twitter i've only got over a thousand followers because some of like a few big arsenal accounts sometimes retweet me that's literally the only reason um no thanks for not on... giving me credit for pushing for it every single episode <laughs> but but yeah sure uh, follow us at state of play pod on all social media and we'll have more awesome content for you soon i'm sure yeah, you can follow me at Martino Puccio on Twitter. Um, also, I pet, you gotta follow. You guys gotta follow Pat on Clubhouse because he, he's that guy. Yeah, I accidentally we're, joined. We're gonna do. We're gonna do some Clubhouse shit soon. I I Roberto Rojas I, has I, already I, been in my DMs. Like, let's I know it. he called. He called me and, it, and then he's. Like, I was like, what the hell is this? Because I accidentally like clicked one thing. I thought it was like a group. I joined in and this girl's like speaking and then it's like, do you want to leave quietly? I was like, do they know I'm in here right now? And then it's the most was... anti Martino social media app I've ever seen in my life. And I love it. I'm going to get you both on it. Uh, we, I don't we'll know. Do... I'm on it. You didn't know I was on it. I, I did like see you on it, it, but like on it, it, on it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, well, Cause yeah. I don't even know how to do it. Roberto's like, okay, I'll send you an invite. And then it's been like a week since. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm never going on clubhouse. Then. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Do we have anything else? I was just clearing some space on my computer the other day, by the way, any light board series coming up with Harry Brooks? Because uh, I mean, look, we are still under house arrest in the UK, in London. So yeah, uh, I can't, it's hard have to you not seen, you have you not yeah. seen Harry's no, hair, hair recently? Um, yeah of course because we went you guys went live for the state of play account for uh but you didn't yeah. you, you used wearing a hat for that because it's wearing a hat it's not the hair it's the content that matters guys <laughs> that, well that's true and he likes calling people idiots as well I put it, like my sounds <laughs> that was it that was the best though you like who that Italian was that was a blue check mark though i'm 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 from new york i haven't been to italy you can't you can't say that because a lot of our listeners are from Europe. So a lot of them. You can't say that. Fike Italian, fake Italian. This, mate, this bloke's never even been there. He never been to Florence, but I've been there. Fucking Milan. You've gone to Duomo. Is that how you say it? He has a pretty good accent, man. I think you've got to press stop record right now. Yeah, I, I will. Now listen to someone. <laughs>